So we are on 79A and the top of the page, about um, about two lines in. Basically, the previous Amud was dealing with a um, machlekes of Yehuda and the Chachamim. If you take out a shtar chayt, if you take out a loan document on Shabbos, and it says if it was not yet paid up, then you're going to be liable for carrying it out. But if it was already paid up, you're not going to be liable for carrying it out. But Yehuda says that even if it's already paid up, you're still going to be liable for carrying it on Shabbos. In other words, Machlikas really is what's considered to be a significant loan document. Is it only considered significant before it's paid up, or is it still considered significant even after it's paid up? Obviously, before it's paid up, the purpose of this loan document is to serve to be able to collect the money. So that's clearly significant. The question is, once it's already paid up, does it still have a significant uh, quality or not? So the question, that seems to be the Machlikas between Reb Yehuda and the Chachamim. And the Gemara has a couple of different Amorayim that come to explain exactly what the details are of this Machlekes. So on the first line, on the top of Ayin Tashamadalef of 79a, and it says, Rava Amar, Dekule Alma, Moideh Veshtar Shekaspo, Shetzarach Lekaimai. Rava explains the Machlekes of Yehuda Nechachem like this. Everybody agrees that if you have a document, a loan document that was written by the, um, by the person borrowing the money, right? And he agrees that this loan document is indeed his handwriting and indeed he owes money to the uh, lender. However, there's no agent, there's no witnesses on the loan document. The halacha is that you still need, everybody agrees, both of you and Chaman, that you're going to need to bring witnesses that this loan document is a legit loan document. Why? Because otherwise there could be a concern that without witnesses, perhaps they're in, you know, they're colluding to try to take away money from a, uh, someone who has bought the property from the borrower, and they're making believe that really there was a lien on that property beforehand, right? Because if I borrow money from Wayne, right, then he gets a lien on any of my real property, right? Any real estate that I own is lien, is now has a lien on it from Wayne. If I then go and sell it to, to Elliot, then then the rule is going to be that Elliot is going to be, that Elliot's going to be holding onto the property and Wayne's going to walk over and take it back from him. So now let's say we can pull a trick over here. We'll decide I'm going to sell something to Elliot. Then we're going to forge an older document that actually says that there's a lien on my property. And then Wayne is going to go take the, the property away from Elliot. And now Elliot's going to come to me for money, but I don't have any money. I can't pay him, right? So that would be a great way for us to, to steal money from somebody else. So therefore, the halacha is that you're not permitted, even if the, even if the borrower agrees that he, this loan document is real, you still need to have witnesses to attest that, there's, that this is actually a true loan document. Um, so what's the machlekes over here? What's the dispute between Rabbi Yehuda and Achachamim? Whether or not taking out this document after it's been paid up is considered significant and you'll be liable. The machlekes over here is like this. Do you hold that you're permitted to write a receipt? Okay. So I borrowed money from Wayne. Now technically what should have happened is as soon as I gave Wayne the money, he should give me the loan document and I should rip it up. Now what happened is like this. Wayne said, <coughs> I don't actually have the loan document. So there's a big machlekes, whether or not will allow Wayne to pay to, to take my money and then to write me a receipt and then i'll have to now keep the receipt so that if wayne ever finds the document in the future and says hey you owe me money here's the loan document and i never gave it back to you and the fact that i still have the loan document is proof in itself that you still owe me money so my response will be i'll whip out my receipt and i'll say no no look i already paid you up i have my receipt so there's a big machlekes in, in gemara in i think it's in Gitin. in Gitin, as in baba basra might be in baba Mitzvah also about whether or not we allow people to write a, a receipt. The, the problem with the receipt is 
then now the onus is on me to ensure that I still have my receipt or else I'm gonna to have to pay him again. So therefore there's a question, do we let people write a receipt at all? So this, uh, Rabbi wants to say that their machoikas is, do you write a receipt or not? Tanakam, the original, the, the Chachamim in the Brisa who say that you're gonna be exempt, they hold that you do write a receipt. And Rehuda says you do not write a receipt. So if you hold, if you hold that you write a receipt, and if you have a loan document that's already paid up, right, then there's no reason, who cares? If there's a receipt already here, then you're not gonna be able to collect with that and it's irrelevant, it's completely insignificant. Whereas if you hold, you don't write a receipt, then the fact that this guy's holding on to a loan document means that he could still collect with it. So if he could still collect with it, then it's still significant. Ravashi, Ravashi says a different way to explain this. So he flips the, the script over here. He says, what we're talking about here is the borrower is the one who has the loan document. So he's already paid up, right? And he got back the loan document because he already paid up. Now he wants to walk outside with it. So the Chachamim say he is exempt. It's considered insignificant because it has no service. It has no, it has no utility for him anymore. And therefore, insignificant. Therefore, he's not going to be liable. And Rehuda says it's still significant for him. It's going to be liable. What's the Machlekes exactly? So the reason he, people want to keep it is because it has significance. It's their credit report, right? It shows that they are people who are very, very responsible, and when they borrow money, they pay back that money. So it actually has utility to him, even though at this point, he, you would think he wants to rip it up because he doesn't want to possibly have to pay back that money all over again, right? You would think as soon as he gets his mortgage, he wants to rip it up. But the answer is, according to Rabbi Huda, no, he still wants to keep it because he wants to show it to others to show that he is an upstanding member of society who pays back his debt. And therefore, he will be, he'll be liable for carrying out because it is significant. The Mishnah continues and says, He says that if you want to know how much um, leather one would have to take out in Shabbos to be liable, it is the amount that one would need to make an amulet. Someone is taking out leather on Shabbos, how much do they have to take out? The amount of leather that you would need to make a amulet. Then he said to him, and how much do you have to, how much when you talk about um, tanning the leather, how much leather does it have to be tanned to be liable for, for tanning on Shabbos? He says, it doesn't make a difference. That's the same, same exact Right? So therefore he says it doesn't make a difference if it's tanning, it doesn't make a difference if you're carrying out on Shabbos. The amount of leather that will be necessary to make the, the minimum measure is going to be the measure that it is to write a amulet. Amina Pemra, how do we know this? That's not, we learned in the Mishnah. Amalabing, if someone, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, cleans it, you know, does laundry on it, uh, you know, cleans it very, um, uh, you know, makes it white, literally. Amenafes, if someone un untangles the wool, Vatsebe, if someone dyes it, Vatsebe, and if someone spins it, Shirei Kamali Rechev Hatsit Kapal. How much of this, of this uh, threads would it have to be that you did either malabing, whitening it, or if you untangled it, or if you dyed it? How much would it have to be? It says the amount of a sit, a, a doubled over sit. So a sit is the space between your, your um, I think the index finger and the thumb. I think the index finger and the thumb. I don't remember which two fingers, as she says, but it, two, two fingers and basically doubled over that measure. That's the amount that you're going to have to do if you want to be liable for, um, for these malachas on Shabbos. Um, and if you're going to be weaving two threads, the measure is that exact space between those two fingers, not double, but just that exact space. What do we see? 
we see that if something is going to be used for spinning, then the measure that would have to be the other earlier processes, the measure that would have to be done to be considered significant is that exact measure that you're going to be using for the spinning as well. So to over here, something that is meant to be canned, the measure that you're going to have to take out to be considered significant is something, is that exact measure that you would be liable for canning on Shabbos, right? So basically what Rabbi's understanding is that the, the, the reason why it's the same exact measure of the how much canning is going to be significant, the amount that you're going to use for an amulet. How much carrying out is going to be significant, the amount that you use for an amulet. They're going to stay exactly the same. So now Rav asks the next question. Let's say you're going to be taking out leather and this leather is not going to be canned. Then what? How much leather do you have to take out? It does make a difference. Same halacha. And it doesn't make a difference whether you're taking it out for, for purposes that it will be canned or leather that won't be canned. The measure is always going to be this very small measure of a amulet size. Ask a question. Rav is asking a Nachman question. If you are taking out some of them, some of them are dyes, right, that are already been steeped in, uh, in, in the water, right? Basically, dyes in those days are made from herbs. So you'd have this dry powder from the herbs, and then you would steep them in water, and then it would, the water would turn that color. Now it would be the dye. So if you take out dyes that have already been steeped, how much is considered significant? How much is considered a significant amount? The amount of dye that would be necessary to put in a, uh, a dogma, a sample worth of, uh, of, of um, a fabric, right? So the amount of dye that would be necessary to dye a, a sampler of fabric, that's the amount that's considered significant for taking it out on Shabbos. However, when it comes to talking about dyes that have not yet been steeped in, in water to turn, uh, you know, become a liquid dye and it's just a powder, how much do you have to take out to be liable on Shabbos? None. Learn to the Mishnah. Shells of nuts and shells of uh, pomegranates. Satis, upua. Satis is um, a safflower, and pua is a different type of uh, a flower for dyeing. Today, let's say a baget katan fi hasbacha. How much is it? It's the amount that would be necessary to dye a small baget that goes by the tzvacha. So the tzvacha we learned earlier is that little cap that women would wear underneath the, whatever hair covering they were wearing, they would wear this little colored cap. So how much, if it's the unsteeped dye, how much do you have to bring out? You have to bring out a pretty significant amount. If it's steeped dye, you bring out less. So what are we trying to say? Rav is asking on Rav Nachman, you're saying that whether it's already been prepared leather or not yet prepared leather, it's the same exact measure. But we see elsewhere that that's not true. Something that is not yet prepared is not the same measure. Ha'ismarallah, it was stated about that Mishnah. That's different. That's not, it can't be compared. Over there, nobody is going to take the amount of samanim, right? You're not going to actually go through the process of steeping the herbs and the, you know, the powdered herbs. You're not going to go through the process of steeping it if all you're going to come up with at the end of the day is enough to actually dye this very little sample, right? But if you actually already had it steeped and it's already ready to go, then it's more significant, right? The question is, it's, uh, it's, um, what's your return on investment, right? So to take it out when it's already steeped, that's a very small return now. So, so you'll be willing to, to use that amount of dye to do a very small uh, dyeing, and that will still be useful for you. But if you have to actually go through the process of steeping it before you're ever going to get any benefit, and even when you steep it, you're only getting very little benefit, it's not significant at all. But that doesn't compare to leather. Leather, before it's, di- before it's canned, it's still considered significant enough, even though it's a smaller piece of leather. Another case, a similar type of question that Rav is going to ask now. You have Zerenigina. You have 
seeds of a garden. Before they've been planted, cannot be learned in a Mishnah. How much you have to take out to be liable? The seeds for a garden. Even less than a kigregris, even with less than a dried fig's worth of seeds, you're going to be liable for taking it out on top. Five seeds is what's considered significant before it's planted. However, once it's already been planted, then we know the halacha is very different. Tanakh, we learned in the Mishnah. If you're talking about taking out zevel is fertilizer, and choladak is the uh, very fine sand, and it's also going to be used for fertilizer. How much of it do you have to be taking out on Shabbos that's considered significant? Enough to fertilize one stalk of kruv, of, uh, of lettuce, right? So we see that it, even just one stalk is considered significant once it's already planted. But before it's planted, until you get to five minimum, it's not considered significant. So we see that there's a difference between an item that's not yet in its finished state, or an item that's already in its finished state. These are the words of Rebbe Kiva. And the Chachamim say that it has to be enough to, um, and the Chachamim say that it has to be enough to, to, uh, to fertilize a kresha, which is kaflik, which is a different type of vegetable. But either way, we see it just has to be enough to fertilize even one of them. It doesn't have to be enough to fertilize five of them. So we see, once again, there's a difference between the item before it's in its finished process, finished, um, product and, the, and in an earlier stage, what's considered significant, in an earlier stage, it's going to have to be a greater measure. So why by leather don't we say the same thing? Same exact answer, basically. Your papa says, one is talking about a case where it's already planted, one is talking about a case where it's not yet planted. People don't work that hard to take out one little seed for the purposes of planting. But once it's already planted, then it's already significant. All right, tip. When it comes to cement, which we just learned, the same exact halacha earlier, before it's been, you know, um, uh, you know, kneaded together, tanya, we learned in a b'raisa. If you are taking out the water that is already used water, and you're taking out water that you use for you know, laundry in your house, and now you're taking it out to the public domain, we said that the measure for which you're going to be liable is the revias. And we said about this. What, what's shaykhan worth, right? What's this water that's already been used for laundry? What's that worth for you, right? The water is, worth, is useful for the purposes of mixing together the tip of cement. But after it's already been mixed together, we said that once it's already mixed together cement, then how much is significant? The amount that's necessary to cover up the mouth of the core of the crucible, which is way smaller than what the amount of water that a whole revius of water to mix together revius of water with cement, you're going to get a lot more cement than the amount of cement that you need to put on the cover of the, on the opening of a crucible, right? So we see from here again, is that before it's mixed together, it's not so significant. But once it's mixed together, it's more significant and at a, at a smaller at a smaller measure, it's already going to be significant. So why is it that Rav Nachman is convinced that when it comes to leather, we don't differentiate between leather that's already canned and leather that's not yet canned? Over there also, that's different. The fact of the matter is that this is the Metzias, right? These are the, the facts. The facts are that people do not actually spend a lot of effort to bring out water, to mix together, water, to mix together cement, and they're only going to end up with enough cement to actually put on the... On the on the head of the crucible, that people are not going to spend their time doing. But once again, you can't compare that to leather. By leather, even when it's untanned leather, people will actually take it out. There are three different types of leathers. Masa, the chifa, the diftera. 
Okay, the Gemara is going to explain what these three types of leathers are. Matzah kimashmoi. The, when we say matzah, it, it is as it, uh, as it sounds. The loy maliach, that it was not yet salted. Udaloi kamiach, and it was not yet put into a flour mixture. Udaloi offet. And it did not yet have, basically, there were, there were three different stages of the panning process. They would salt it, and they would put it into some sort of flour water mixture, I guess, and that would also help with the panning process. And then also they would do offet. So offet is, they would take gall nuts, and do some sort of mixture of gall nuts and then steep it in that, and that would be one of the steps of making leather. The kamash right? And how much are you gonna have to take out to be liable? So depending on which type of, of uh, you know, where it's up to in the process, will be a different measure. They lost by Katana. When we come to Maliach, when we come to the one that nothing, I'm sorry, we come to the Mata, the, the, that nothing was done to it, so then the amount is gonna be the amount that one would use to wrap up a Meshkelis Katana, the smallest possible weight. What's the smallest weight that people use on a balance scale? Amar Abaya, river, the river, the Pumpadisa, one quarter of one quarter of the Pumpadisa, right? Of the measure of Pumpadisa, known as a river, the river, right? So one sixteenth of whatever that measure is, and that was the smallest measure that they had in those days. So how much of this uh, very unprocessed leather, the amount of very unprocessed leather that it would take to wrap up the very small weight? What's Chifa? Where it was already salted, but it was not yet in the flour mixture and not yet in the gall nut mixture. The kamash yura, and what's the measure that you're going to have to take out to be liable for carrying on Shabbos? Or when it comes to leather, it's the amount of leather that you're going to take out for the purposes of making a kamiya, which is a lot less than the amount of leather that you're going to take out in the earlier case. The very unprocessed leather is a, very, it's a larger measure. It's the measure that you're going to need to wrap up a, a weight. In the second case, it's the amount that you're going to need for a for a um, for the amount that you need for a for a uh, an amulet, right? Um, now what's the what's the third case? Diftera de meliach lekemiach v'leyafet. So diftera is something that you already did the salt and you already did the flour mixture, but you did not yet do the gallnut mixture. The kamash and how much is the requisite measure to be liable? And they look to love as get the amount that you're going to need to take out to write the amount that you're going to need that will be significant if you're carrying out Shabbos is the amount that would be necessary to write on it a get, right? Now, not the entire get, right? The entire get is actually pretty significant. It's 12 lines, and it's a lot, decent amount of words. But it's actually just the, the Iker shall get, which is just to say, this man is getting divorced from this lady, and his name, that you're permitted to everybody, and it has to say his name and her name, and it has to have the name of the Adam, and it has to have the time. And that's very small, right? That's not, it's not such a large cheer. Rashi says that the more processed this piece of, of parchment is, a piece of, uh, yeah, piece of parchment is, the more, the smaller the piece has to be in, in terms of being liable, probably because as it gets more processed, it's more significant. And the measure is just going to be a very small measure to be considered significantly liable. Um, so we said that when it's the very unprocessed pie, we said that what's the measure that you need to take out? The amount that you need to wrap up a very small weight. What do we see from here? We see from here that it's not going to be a kamiya. It's not going to be the amount that you need to write an amulet because that's even smaller than the measure that you need to wrap up a piece of, 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 uh, of weight. So we see from here, not like Ibn Nachman. Ibn Nachman says it doesn't make a difference if it's hand or not. But I'm a baya, river the river the Pumpadisa. And Abaya had explained that this is a measure called river the river the Pumpadisa, which is clearly larger than a kamiya. Hasam bibishula. Over there, what we're talking about is the type of leather that cannot really be used to be tanned. Why? Bishula, it's still um, fresh. It's lach. It's still moist. Kamoi. 
right? So basically, Rashi says it's right after you skin the animal. So right after you skin the animal, the, the leather is still moist, right? The hide is still moist, and therefore it cannot be used for any of the normal things. So it's not considered significant until it reaches the measure where you can actually use it to wrap up a weight. Um, okay, that's that case. But now we learned the next question. Now we learned in a Mishnah. When it comes to begadim, when it comes to actual fabric, then it's three by three tefachim is considered significant. The medrash for the purposes of sitting on it. Hasak, which is made out of sackcloth, which we said earlier is the uh, the hides of the um, of a goat, like made out of goat here. So then dalad al dalad, four tefachim by four tefachim is considered significant. Ha'ar, leather is five by five is significant. Hey by hey al hey. Mapat, which is a mat, vav al vav is significant. Six on six is significant. Bein la medrash, bein la whether it's for the purposes of, of questions of Tame Mace, right? Because this Mishnah is in Masechtis um, Kalim, I think. Is in, yeah, Masechtis Kalim. And it's talking about the purposes of determining when something can become ritually impure. The significance, when an item is considered significant, then it can become ritually impure. It's talking about it for two different categories of impurity. One is the category of Midras, right? Midras is uh, something that you're going to sit down on. And one is the category of Mace, that it can become Tame through exposure to a dead body by being in the same tent or by touching it. Now, it's on Yola, and we learned in a Brisa about that Mishnah. All of these categories, the same measure that's necessary to become Tame, to become ritually impure, is also the measure that's necessary for the sake of carrying on a Shabbos. Now, five by five is far larger than the amount that you need for a Kamea. Five by five Tachim is uh, about 20 inches by 20 inches. It's a lot larger than you need for the, for the sake of making a... Um, for the sake of making a, a kamea, which is clearly smaller than that. So once again, or Nachman seems to be wrong. More answers. Hahu kurtoivla. So kurtoivla, Rashi says, kurtoivla is basically they would take a hide and they would boil it and boil it in very hot water, and then it would become very, very hard. And this is not the type of leather that you would use, very stiff, right? So you wouldn't use it for clothing, rather you would use it for the sake of, a, you know, maybe a couch or something of that nature. So that type of leather, it does not become significant until it's larger. You wouldn't use it for Kamea. So no questions at all. Not when point expands. Okay, turning the page. Actually, now. Rabbi, um, boiled leather was um, very often used for armor because when you boil leather in wax, it becomes extremely hard and very, very tough. So poor people who couldn't afford metal armor would make armor out of hard boiled leather because when it's still hot after it's been boiled you can mold it into different shapes and then it hardens interesting okay so yeah but it was not used for uh, for the standard purposes and it would not have been used for a kamea for an amulet it would only be used for armor i guess we said if you're taking out parchment the amount of parchment that you would use to write one parsha one small parsha what is that we said that is a parsha of shema israel right Ruminu, ask a question so it says that when it comes to collapse the parchment, is Rashi explains what is It is the the clap that we talk about that we use as parchment is it's the part of the skin of the animal that is closest to the surface. The is the next layer of skin in between the outer layer of skin and the actual flesh of the animal. So the dechsoistis is in a different category. Gemara now is going to spend a lot of time trying to figure out which is the type of, of cloth, of parchment, that is the right type of parchment for, um, for writing tefillin, for writing a mezuzah, for writing a sefer Torah. So 
So ask like this, when it comes to class and Dukhtasis, the amount that you need to take out reliable on Shabbos is the amount that you need to write on it in Mezuzah. My Mezuzah, what Mezuzah are we talking about here? Mezuzah, Shabbat Tfilin. If we're really talking about Mezuzah, it doesn't make any sense, because we'll see why it doesn't make sense to be talking about Mezuzah. And the problem that the Gemara was asking is that Mezuzah, we know, that Mezuzah, is only, there's no four passages in a Mezuzah, right? There's just one, we have one Mezuzah, and on a Mezuzah we have two passages, and those two passages are longer then it says Shema, I am Shemaya on a mezuzah, right? That's a lot longer than just Shema. So over here, it sounds like the amount that you need to take out is the amount that you need to write a mezuzah. But that's longer than our Mishnah's case, which is just the Shema, one chapter of Shema, just the first chapter that we have in one, one of the uh, compartments of the Tzillin. So the Gemara answers, no, we're talking about the mezuzah. When we say mezuzah over here, we don't really mean a mezuzah that you would hang up on your wall. We mean a mezuzah of the Tzillin, right? So it's a little bit of an interesting way to use the word mezuzah. But that's the way to explain this price. So we're referring to mezuzah fillin, which is the the parsha of Shema Yisrael. The kari lulit fillin mezuzah, and we we call the fillin mezuzah in it is so yes, it is so. By Tanya, we learned in the price. So two is fillin, imat fillin. Now we're going to talk about the the laws of tuma. So earlier we learned about the one of the takanas that they that they passed in the in the attic of Hananya ben what was it again Hananya. I don't remember anymore. Hananya in the attic of Hananya. Yeah, I don't remember. So in his attic, they passed 18 different tychonists. One of them was that things that people touch, the holy objects that are kept, that people were keeping them together with food, with truma items, they were, the, the since they were, you know, svarim, like a sepatera or tefillin or mezuzah, they were kept together with a, with food items, with the truma items, because they were both tahar. They were both very holy. They didn't want people to, want to make sure that people wouldn't touch them when they're in a state of ritual impurity. So animals would come, a mouse would come to eat the, the truma food and would end up eating the, the sepatera as well, or the tefillin or the sefer, you know, any sort of manuscript that was kept with it. So the Chachamim said that these holy books are considered tame. So therefore, nobody would keep it together with the truma. So when they said that, what's included in that category? So let's see. Ritsuris, tefillin, imat tefillin. The ritsuris, right, the straps of the tefillin together with the tefillin. Metameis, as he had dined, they're going to make the hands in tame, ritually impure. They ask them by themselves, but if they're by themselves, the straps by themselves, they're not going to make the hands impure because they don't have this, they were not included in this enactment that they make the, the, these books, which are holy, will make other things impure. But straps by themselves will not, were not included. If you touch the strap, you're going to be ritually pure until you touch the ksita, until you actually touch the box. Zakai Nishmaid, Zakai said in the name of Shimon. I'm a tar, actually, he says, You're tar, you're still pure until you actually touch the actual parchment that's inside the tefillin. What do we see from here? We see from here that the parchment inside the tefillin is called mezuzah, right? So we see that they're called mezuzah. So we have no question from this price, though. This price has said that they become ritually impure. It, 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 you're liable for carrying a Shabbos if you carry out the amount that is necessary to write a mezuzah. It doesn't mean the mezuzah that we call mezuzah, which would be two passages. It means the mezuzah of Tefillin, which is only the shortest one, which is one passage called Shema. One second. That's not going to work. The Sefer, the Bryce says, and the Bryce says, it says that when it comes to parchment, the amount of parchment that you're going to be liable for carrying out is the amount that you would need to write on one small parsha of Tefillin. See Shema Yisrael. In which case, that's only Shema Yisrael. So since the Seifa tells us explicitly the amount of klaf is the amount that's necessary to write the shortest parsha of Tefillin, the implication is that when the Reisha said mezuzah, it did not mean the mezuzah of Tefillin. It meant mezuzah, mezuzah. Right? Otherwise, why would we say two different cases? 
The price is saying like this. When it comes to partial, when it comes to what is their measure? is the measure to write a mezuzah. But the clap, the parchment, the measure of parchment to be liable is the amount that you're going to use, the, the smallest possible significant amount is the amount that you would use to write the shortest parsha of tillin on it, which is Shema Yisrael. The Chesed is not considered significant unless it has enough on it to even write the entire uh, mezuzah, which two two parshiyos, but the clap is going to be significant even at one parsha. Rav makes a statement. He says that the Chesed is the same halacha as clap. What's it referring to? Just like parchment, you write filling on it. So too, the says you write filling on it. Questions like this. It says in our Mishnah that clap, how much do you have to take out? The amount that you need to write, by, as long as it's enough to write the shortest parsha of filling, that's ready enough. That sounds like clap, that's the halacha. But for the says, indeed, that would not be enough, and you would have to take out more to be liable. So we see that Rav is wrong. You can't say that Chesed and Klaf are the same thing. They're not the same thing, right? If you if you were even permitted to use um, if even if even uh tefillin are written on the Chesed right? So then even so even the should be a shear, should be the measure of to be liable would just be to take out the amount that you could write the shortest parsha of tefillin on it. The fact that you're not liable until you have enough to write a mezuzah on it clearly we see not like Rav that the Chesed cannot be used for writing tefillin. Our answer is le mitzvah. Where it says that it's only talking about ideally one should not use the chesed for the purposes of writing filling on it. Since ideally one should not use the chesed for the purpose of writing filling on it, it's not going to be considered significant because most people aren't going to be looking to do that. But Rav is technically correct that the chesed after the fact is the same category as clap in terms of that it will be kosher after the fact. Tashma, come in here, proof. The problem is like this. When we know that it's Alakhamish Mesina. Alakhamish Mesina means something that was transmitted orally, that this is straight from Moshe Rabbeinu at Hartinai. And he said that this is one of the halachas, that fillin has to be on parchment and mezuzah has to be on the chesed. So the Gemara asks, the Gemara is asking that if it's Alakhamish Mesina, you can't say that there's any sort of lechatchila and bidiyevet. You can't say that lechatchila, Alakhamish Mesina, you should make sure to put fillin on clock. And mezuzah should be on dechsayseis, but after the fact, it's good the other way. We don't normally say that by lachal mishmitzin. Actually, the Gemara is asking. We see from here that it's not okay to write fillin on dechsayseis. Klaf l'makom abaser dechsayseis l'makom seir. So the, what are we saying? We're saying that the klaf is supposed to be is the part of it. When you talk about parchment, you write on the part that's closer to the flesh. Dechsayseis is the makom seir. You write on it on the outside part of dechsayseis, which is closer to the here, right? So if you think of it, there's here, and then there's two layers, right? There's here on top, then there's two layers of fabric, and then there's flesh underneath it. So this is the the clap. This is the dechsayseis. So dechsayseis, when you're writing on it, you write on the upper level of it. When the clap, you write on it, you write on the on the bottom layer of it. So, so the Gemara says, Lemitzvah, No, indeed, that is only still telling us Lemitzvah, That ideally, one should do it in this in this fashion. But if one doesn't do it in that fashion, after the fact, it's still okay. But Tanya, we learned in a brisa. Shina puzzled. It says that if you flip it around, if you change your order, if you change what you did on which one, then puzzled. It's not going to be kosher. Amazuzah. It's teaching you about a mezuzah. That if you would write a mezuzah on clap and you're supposed to write on the face, it's going to be puzzled. But Tanya, we learned another brisa. Shina bezer bezer puzzled. It says that if you change it, both of them. It sounds like you change this one and that one, then you're puzzled. Amazuzah. It's also coming to teach you about mezuzah that if you change your puzzle. But Tanya, Shina bezer bezer puzzled. 
says if you change my boat, then you're possible. What do you mean? They're both talking about mezuzah. Two different ways in which mezuzah can be possible when you change from what you should be doing. One case we're talking about where you wrote it on the clap, you wrote a mezuzah on the clap, but you wrote it in the place of the, towards the here side of the clap. Or where you wrote on the chsayis, but you wrote it towards the place of the meat and not, not towards the flesh instead of being away from the flesh. Same another answer. He really could say it's machlekes tanayim. When you change the both it's machlekes tanayim. Why? The tanya. Shina bazeh bazeh pasul. The first tana says that if you change both of them, right? In other words, if you do if you do tefillin on dochsayis and if you do mezuzah on klach, they're pasul. Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Acha machshir, Rabbi Acha permits it. Mishum Rabbi Acha barachanina, va'ami lo mishum Rabbi Acha barachanina, and he says that's permitted either one of these two different tanayim. Papa amai rav. Papa indeed says that Rav is going like a uh, position of the Tanaim, the Bay Menasha, of the house of Menasha, the Tana, the Bay Menasha, that they said in the Bethmedish of Menasha. If you wrote filling on a Niyar, which is regular paper, Matlas is a you know, regular fabric, Sula, then it's definitely possible. Alakraf, it's on um, parchment. Alakvil, Gvil is the entire hide, basically, the, the part of the clap together with the Dilchsaisis, right? If you write it on Either parchment, or if you write it on gvil, or if you write it al dachsaisis, or if you write it on dachsaisis, um, which is that other half of the of the hide, shera. Then it's kasha. Kasvamai. What's the, what, what's the case over here that we're talking about? What did you write on these three fabrics? And we said it's kasha. What type of 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 uh, of um, of kadesh of you know something that's holy? What did you write exactly? Ilema mezuzah. If we're talking about a mezuzah, mezuzah I clap mikasinon. Can you write a mezuzah on parchment? Elalapsilon. Let's get him at filling. Right, so the Gemara is saying we see that you write filling because it cannot be talking about a because a mezuzah you cannot write on all three. So it must be talking about filling, and we see that you could write filling on all three. What are you talking about? You cannot write filling on gvil. Everybody knows you can't write filling on the entire fabric, on the entire hide, right? So what are you talking about? This cannot be talking about filling. So what's it talking about? Rather, Kitanya he was safer Tehra. And this price says you can write it on all three. What's talking about the safer Tehra? Let's bring your proof. If you have fillin that have gotten worn out, or if you have a saber tear that got worn out, you cannot take the fabric and use it for a mezuzah. Why? You can't go from a higher level of kedusha to a lower level of kedusha. Right? What's this referring to? A Torah is on a higher level of kedusha than a mezuzah. And so too, fillin are on a higher level of kedusha than mezuzah. So if these parchments wore out, you cannot use them to make a mezuzah. Taima, the aim of reason. The implication is that only because you can't go from a higher level of Kedusha to a lower level of Kedusha are you permitted to switch from the Tfilin or Taira to Mezuzah. How am I reading? But if you would be permitted to go from a higher level of Kedusha to a lower level of Kedusha, indeed, you could take these other types of parchment and indeed turn it into a Mezuzah. The Ksiva, sorry, Oysin, the Ksiva, then you would be permitted to write it. Amai lab, the Ksiva, where you wrote it on you wrote it on the um, on that inner part of the of the, of the parchment. Loy, tiksiva al haklaf. We're talking about a case where you wrote it on a klaf. A mezuzah, a klaf mikasvinan. Well, if it's on the actual outer part of the parchment, who said that you could write a mezuzah on klaf, right? In, yes. Uh, Tanya, kasva al haklaf al aniyar v'al sula. It says that if you write it on klaf, if you write it on parchment or on paper or on matzah, some sort of fabric, sula, all of them are going to be possible. I'm Rosh Hashanah the mayor, he is the opinion of a mayor. Why? The mayor said that you are permitted to write it on class. The mayor said that the mayor actually held that you should write fill-in on parchment, not fill-in, mezuzah on parchment. Why? Because it's going to last very long. Parchment's thick and it's going to last longer. 
Now we're already saying that Rav is going like the opinion of the mayor. You don't have to say that Rav, when Rav said that Tuchsoyset is by Klaf, what does he mean? He never said that Tuchsoyset is like Klaf, in which case we would be saying that filling could be written on Tuchsoyset. Rather, what he said is Klaf is like Tuchsoyset. What does he mean? He means that filling, I'm sorry, that Mezuzah could be written on Klaf. If, if Rav is anyways going like the opinion of a mayor, he may as well just say that when we said that they're the same, it doesn't mean that they're the same in terms of the laws of filling, rather it means that they're the same in terms of the laws of mezuzah. Mezuzah can be written on cloth the same way it can be written on the Just like the you could write a mezuzah on it, so too, cloth, parchment, you could also write a mezuzah on it.